I think that we have yeah. a lot to work with, Schwartz. Okay. There's good material here. I just here. want people to know I'm a Taurus. So you want that... people to know three things about you. One, I'm a Taurus. Yes. Two, I'm polyamorous. Oh, uh, yes. And three, I'm queer. There That's you go. Not the third thing. Is there a fourth thing? <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> I'm just three things. You're many things. I want to be more things, but I'm still only three things. <laughs> Next time I have a peaking moment, maybe I'll have four. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Peaking. I'm Jess, your host, and maybe even your new best friend. And on each episode of Peaking, through conversations with my guests, myself, and my listeners, I'm going to be exploring those low moments in life that are actually our greatest chances to peak. It's the podcast I've been missing, and I have a feeling I'm not the only one. The type of self help that doesn't take itself too seriously. This is Peaking. Hey guys. Thank you for joining me for episode two. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, It's kind of crazy. It's like episode one was so hyped up in my head, I think, just passing that milestone of putting out my first episode and seeing what everybody thought of it. And now that that's happened, I feel like I'm a podcaster, like I have a podcast. This is episode two. There's going to be more. It's it wasn't it's no longer kind of like, oh, well, we'll see if I get episode one up and how it does. It's it's really happening. So this is exciting. This episode I'm actually filming, or not filming, recording <laughs> um, at my parents' house. So we're no longer in the kitchen. I'm probably not going to get any sirens in the background. I do have a siren on the episode though. My friend Sarah Schwartzchild is going to be my guest and we know each other from our acapella group in college, which was called The Sirens. So we're going to continue that theme. Maybe, no, no, my listeners are not going to be called My Sirens. Anyway, I'm jumping around. Let's get back to it. Thank you for listening to the first episode. Thank you to everyone that reached out to me with feedback and with really positive words. It was so affirming to hear that you liked it and it resonated with you and that you're looking forward to more. I will say I was thrilled with the number of people that listened to the first episode. I had told myself going into it that if I got 30 listeners, I would be thrilled with that. And I came in at over 100. I actually haven't checked within the last couple days if it's gone up even more. But the last time I checked, I think it was 108 unique listeners in the first two weeks. So that's pretty freaking cool, guys. We'll see if you stick around for this one. Hopefully you will. Hopefully you're here. If you are here, thank you. The other thing I wanted to address is that one of the main points of feedback that I got from people was that they love my podcast voice, which I do appreciate. Right now it's a little bit more raspy because allergies have been coming to get me, but in general, a lot of people were vibing with my voice, so... Thank you. That actually means a lot because I'm a very big, what do you even call it? I don't know. I appreciate people's speaking voices a lot. Like when I'm meeting new people or meeting somebody to potentially date or whatever, that's always something I notice and like makes people more attractive to me. So the fact that people like my speaking voice is just a full circle moment. It feels really good. (laughs) Um, I actually have a coworker, a former coworker 
who used to tell me in our open office, so we all sat at desks around each other, and sometimes we would pick up the phone, you know, just at our desk instead of being in a conference room. And so whenever I would pick up the phone and take a call from a client in our open office space, this one coworker of mine would tell me when I got off the phone, like, Jess, the way that you talk on the phone, you have such a phone voice, you sound like a phone sex operator at our consulting job, which clearly meant that I needed to leave that career behind and that I'm pursuing the right thing now with the podcast. Uh, yeah, so anyway, glad I'm able to use that and bring some smooth tones to your ears. Let's see, what are the other things I want to address up top? Before I introduce my guests a little bit more in depth. I wanted to share something I've been reflecting on recently when it comes to peaking. And I would love if you guys, you know, wrote me after the episode, letting me know what you think of this concept. It's something that I'll probably continue to um, opine on. Is that a word? Yes. Thank you so much. Um, So something I've been realizing is that when people ask me, new people especially, but I don't know, people in my circles as well, ask me what my podcast is about and I start to describe it. Basically, what they want to sum it up as is optimism, which is true. There's a lot of optimism in how I think about peaking and that's always been a part of myself. But what I'm starting to realize is when talking to others about it and explaining it, I almost get a bit insecure about my own optimism. Like something about being an optimist is uncool Or maybe it's that I'm afraid that people will think I'm an unrealistic person by being an optimistic person. I'm not really sure, but I just feel like I sometimes worry that when I talk about it, it's going to come off as naive. And I don't think it's naive. I I think there's something to it. And I think a lot of people buy into this idea that you can turn low moments into positive opportunities. But Nevertheless, it's something I've been noticing about myself, and I think there's also this group of people who really vibe on self-deprecation and even self-loathing to some degree, Uh, and that's kind of like one segment of, I would say, comedy, which is I'm a big consumer of comedy content, so um, I think about that a lot. And the type of comedy that I'm more interested in is really positive and self-affirming and validating and optimistic, I guess. And so um, just something I noticed when describing the podcast is that I feel a little like maybe I'm going to be judged for covering a topic that is positive, which is silly because being positive should be a good thing, right? I don't know. Let me know if anyone has felt this way before when maybe describing yourself as an optimist or just with certain people having these types of conversations and feeling like you're missing each other because they have a more, I don't want to say realistic because it's not that I'm unrealistic, but maybe they even have a more cynical view of things and you're just not connecting in this way. I guess this just isn't the podcast for them if that's the case, but um, I think insecurity around optimism is starting to be something that I'm feeling crop up within myself. And so I thought it was an interesting reflection to share with you guys after episode one. All right. I think those are all the things I wanted to talk about up front. So let me just jump into introducing my first guest. My first guest on Peking has been a friend of mine for over 10 years. We'll talk about our friendship and how it's grown as each of us has gone through kind of our own Peking moments as individuals. 
But the background is basically that she re-entered my life at a time when I was kind of at my lowest. It was 2019, which we look back on as the best year of our lives, and we'll get into that, and we'll get into the reason why. But when I was in the moment, it was really hard. I had just moved to Chicago from D.C., which is home for me. I didn't know many people in Chicago. It is a freezing place, (laughs) which I will never shut up about. And I was going through a difficult breakup from a long-term relationship. So I was kind of at the point where I, I had stopped crying every day and the sun was coming out a little bit more because it was April. So I was on the precipice of peaking and diving into a lot of self-discovery, finding myself again, unlocking better versions of myself through that struggle. But I maybe needed a little bit of a push and a friend who knew me And who could hold my hand and go through it alongside me because she was dealing with her own peaking journey. So our stories aren't the same, but they are same, same, but different. They were alongside each other at the right time in the right place. She was also going through a major breakup and a ton of personal change. And we just bonded through that and ran through the rest of the year side by side in a way, spiritually. (laughs) So that's a lot of what we're going to talk about in this episode. She's also a nurse practitioner working in community health. She's really inspiring in what she does and how hard she works for her patients. And she's hugely passionate about her LGBTQ patients in specific and takes a particular interest in trans health. I really admire that about her. She herself identifies as bisexual and polyamorous, which is what we'll touch on in the episode. There's a lot more there too that we could dive into in a future episode if you all are interested and if she's ready for that conversation. Um, But it's so fitting to have her as my first guest, not only because she's someone who, to me, really personifies peaking and was there for me during my own major moment of peaking in my life so far, but also because it's Pride Month and we want to celebrate LGBTQ individuals and their stories. And she's somebody who's very open and vocal about her own story in hopes that it will help others. And that's kind of demonstrated through the conversation that we have it's demonstrated through the work that she does in healthcare, and she's just a really inspiring person and i'm lucky to have her as a friend so without further ado let's jump into my conversation with sarah schwarzchild hi sarah thanks for being here of course it's my pleasure you are my first guest and that's very special to me such an honor wow stoked to be here well i just feel like you're one of those people that like exemplifies peaking in a lot of ways. And I feel like you've been a part of my finding peaking within myself kind of over the last few years and coming to like come up with this concept and wanting to talk about it more. You've been somebody that I talk about it with a lot. So maybe we should first back up and just let people know how we know each other. Yeah. Do you do you want to do it? <laughs> sure. So I also had the pleasure of knowing Jess through um, our college acapella group. So I guess we met in 2009. Yeah. Ew, we're so old. That's wild. That's so a long it's been, time ago. Wait, how many years is that? 12 years? 12. What? Oh my God. Yeah. Wait. It'll yeah. be 12 in the fall. I feel like it took us a while to all get into the group and form friendships with one another. And then I also feel like we've talked about this, but in the last couple of years, like we've reconnected in a much stronger way than when we were in college where like 
we were obviously friends and did a lot of the same activities and um, like hung out in the same groups and stuff, but you know, yeah. we've dug deeper we, recently. <laughs> we did like, we did acapella stuff together and that includes like social stuff, but I don't remember hanging out like that one-on-one. often. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. So um, it's been nice. I love it. It makes me so happy. Our friendship is the best. And so, <sighs> yeah. And I feel like when we reconnected, that was in like the spring of 2019 and you just happened to be visiting Chicago. We got lunch and caught up and we were both just on the same wavelength, like going through a lot of change at that time. And it was just the perfect time for us to, yeah, to bump into each other and just like pour our souls out over a beer. And so maybe talk us through, like, if you could send yourself back to that time period where you were at, what was going on in your life, how kind of how you yeah. felt at the time. And then we can think about it, like looking back on it, but yeah, I don't know, put us in that headspace. Sure. So if it was, yeah, in the spring of 2019, I was probably there to, I don't know, just because I love the city. Just because <laughs> you love Chicago, I think. I think so, which is um, was new for me because I was used to being in like a long-term relationship, um, always. And, uh, that was always the reason I was going there prior to that. Um, right. And so around April of 2019, I was really starting to get into being on my own and a little more independent. And I had not been able to be that way as an adult, um, yeah. So it was kind yeah. of an, a, a scary and exciting time. And I'm trying to remember if it was exciting yet or still scary right. by then, but, um, and so, and so to back up a little, you had been in a five year, four year, five, five year relationships. Five yeah. Um, yeah. Leading up to that time and just recently off of a breakup, from that long relationship when we met up, I was also off of a breakup from a four-year relationship. And yeah, so we were both kind of like in this place of figuring out life as on our own again. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, I remember it being such a, when we were talking about it, we were talking about our old relationships and we had kind of figured we were almost in like opposite worlds if they were to be comparable relationships Mm -hmm. like I was the one who had really wanted to leave and um you know the relationships were different obviously in a lot of ways but it it was interesting to like connect with you about something like a like breakups as like a just a general being like the topic but we were kind of coming from two different places of like pain Mm -hmm. when we were discussing that, I guess. Yeah. I remember that because I was definitely in my relationship at the time, the one trying to hold it together. Mm -hmm. And, and you were coming from the place of like knowing that your relationship wasn't the right one and, and knowing that it was time for it to end, which yeah, at the time we kind of both helped each other see how the other person in our respective relationships that had just ended yeah. might have been feeling and thinking. Yeah. Um what were 
if you don't mind diving into it a little bit, like what were some of the reasons that you had been feeling that it was time for that relationship to end? And like, where were you at personally where, you know, you were like, I, I need a change. Yeah. So I had, um, probably around 20, the end of 2018 is when I started being more vocal to my closest people about my sexuality, which I had come to understand as being bisexual. Um, and so that kind of just opened up this entire, it was just a, a new thing I'd never explored within myself. And it's also a very, it's a hard thing to explore when you're in a relationship, mm-hmm. a monogamous relationship. Um, because especially if you're coming out as bisexual where, um, you know, you like for me, that means I am attracted to more than one gender. Mm -hmm. Um, so like multiple genders. And so how do you explore that when you can never, if you're monogamous, explore multiple genders relationship wise. So there was that. And then, um, yeah, it, it, it would have been, the person I was in a relationship with is an, is an amazing person. So it had really nothing to do with the person that, that he was. It was more that it, it, the person I was, was changing <laughs> and yeah. um, it wasn't what he had signed up for really, because I wasn't really aware of it myself at that time. And so we had tried opening up the relationship so that I could explore that piece, but it was, um, uh, which was really wonderful for me and had been really painful for him. Mm. And, um, it, that in and of itself opened up a new can of worms, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, which was monogamy. Like I really enjoyed Mm non-monogamy, not even just for exploring, um, sexually, but the thought of having multiple loves or multiple relationships that are different than, um, you know, friendships. Um, so multiple romantic and sexual relationships, it was just something I had never thought you were allowed to do. And then when we Mm -hmm. were doing it, even though it was supposed to be like a temporary thing, it felt really good to me. Um, and I wanted, I learned a little bit about polyamory so all these things, I w- it was like I was uncovering pieces of myself um, yeah. that were just totally different and core values. I mean, not the sexuality piece, really, but the monogamy piece was just not, uh, you know, he was monogamous and I was polyamorous is kind of what it came down to. And he, he couldn't, you know, he wasn't going to change and I didn't think I could go back. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think part of what was really interesting to me about that was, you know, you were kind of in this relationship, in this monogamous long-term relationship with a guy who you yourself say is a great guy and like everything from the outside looks like what people grow up thinking that they should want. And at some point there was something in you that was like, this is not quite right for me. I want to something, there's something inside me that's telling me I need to like explore something different or change something or, or whatever. And, you know, 
it's a hard decision to throw away in a way something that you'd been building for a long time and something that people will have you think is like the right choice for your life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So can you talk a little more about that process and like how you experienced that side of things at the time? Yeah. I think I was realizing that what I had been applauded for always or what, um, you know, what people are applauded for, not just me, but what people are applauded for is what people think is your peaking moments Mm -hmm. um, or what's like, um, you know, what's good and what's happy. And it doesn't actually, it's not, um, it doesn't translate to how happy you actually are. Um, And so I was kind of realizing that a lot of the things I had pushed for or had thought I had wanted were not actually what I wanted and they were what people wanted for me for you. Mm-hmm. um in the like you know not uh malintent at all but sure yeah. um, um I think about I think a lot about um you know how early that started for me and it's for every, anyone I bet a lot of people maybe can um understand this is you know you have your parents values kind of asserted onto you when you're younger too and um, then, you know, gender roles and, um, the, the way you're supposed to be acting and, um, and I, I think like for me, I I had been told I was, you know, pretty and, um, you know, what, what was attractive and, and that's not even like sexually, like, you know, attractiveness is translates to, better jobs mm-hmm. in some ways too. It's, it, it's, it's like a, a, is it a privilege? I don't know. It's something you can use to, uh, your advantage, I guess yeah. in other ways too. So it, it was something that I just had been taught was an asset of mine. <laughs> um, and I guess I'm just using that as a one example of different ways I'd been told I should be a certain way. Um, and so in this relationship, you know, we, we had money and love and respect. He was really a nice guy. He had a nice family. Um, I lived in my favorite city. We had Mm -hmm. great friends. I don't know. It was just like, everything looked really perfect. And it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't unhappy really. It's just that it was what I was told was like the best, like this was the best. I had everything that was the best, but it it wasn't the best thing for me. Um, I think that's an interesting distinction. Like it's not that you were miserable, but you also thought if this is supposed to be the best, I like, I I just don't believe that. I don't buy into that because it feels like maybe something's missing. Like I'm not unhappy, but I'm not fully like inhabiting myself and the fullest potential of happiness that I could have. Yeah. So I think it's been interesting. Um, you know, it was like coming out about yourself is when it's also the way that I market myself, I guess, um, Hmm. like my image changed a lot and, 
it was something I really wanted for myself and that felt really good for me, but was really scary because it wasn't what people thought was good or the best or, you know, a measure of success, I guess. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. So when you talk about your image changing, how did that play out? You know, how did you start to show that change to people, I guess? And like, what were the emotions that you were experiencing when you would, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say like, post a picture on Instagram where your hair is short all of a sudden or where you're yeah, wearing more of an androgynous style or like, is that what you're referring to? Yeah. I mean, cause there's, it's not as like my sexuality and my, um, relationship style isn't as obvious, um, as you know, how I look. Mm -hmm. So that was probably the hardest thing is I think I was most self-conscious about being, um, older, because you think about people coming out mm. with their gender um, or their sexuality just much younger than 20, what was I, 27? Yeah. I think. Um, Did you think that people would like invalidate your self discovery because it was coming later in, quote unquote, later in life? 27 isn't old, but you know, later than yeah. people expect. Yeah, I thought people would think I was attention seeking. Okay. And that's for me is something that is like a very negative thing in my head, which I'm also trying to not I'm trying to get over that a little bit too. Yeah. Same. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's okay to be attention seeking, but um, like logically, yeah. but self- subconsciously, it's hard for me to. Uh, come to terms with people maybe thinking that about me. So Mm -hmm. that was the most self-conscious thing about the whole process for me and just coming off as like, yeah, fake or I don't know, but yeah, it also felt really good. Um, and Instagram is an interesting place because it's, it can be very affirming because you can play around with certain things, um, about yourself. You can put, make your image look the way you want it to. Mm -hmm. Um, so and test the response. Yeah. And then be like, oh, people liked that. Maybe I'll do yeah. more of that. Yeah. Yeah. And also it's a place where I think, like you're saying, test the response. So it's like, I, I, it would be easier to come out to someone because they would have seen me maybe post something that's hinting at, huh. oh, she's like a little more masculine. Um, I don't know. Right. So like it, it wouldn't be so jarring to tell someone. Yeah. Like it helped you inch into, um, coming out because also because it's public and goes out to so many people. So instead of having to have a conversation with everyone in your life coming out to them, it's like, okay, they can kind of notice stuff that I'm starting to post. And then maybe eventually they'll, you know, whatever it, the word Mm -hmm. spreads or people figure it out and you don't have to, it takes the burden off of you to explain it to everyone. Yeah. Right. So, okay, getting back to kind of like where you were at that time, when looking back on that time period, how do you think about it? And what are, like, how do you feel about it now compared with how you felt in the moment when going through all of that 
change and self-discovery. I like look back, I feel very like compassionate towards myself. Mm-hmm. I love <laughs> that. I was, yeah, like it, it's kind of cute. I was cute. I was kind of like, I don't, I, I also journal. So um, mm. I can actually look back on exactly what I was, what I was thinking and journaling about at the time. And yeah, I was so like, it was exciting. It was, um, I, I'd say for the most part, it was at the time, the initial breakup was hard. Um, and actually losing my friends that I had mm-hmm. known for five years and built around, you know, with my life, with my ex-partner, um, they kind of all sort of abandoned me as well. And so, um, that was hard. Yeah. Did you feel at all that, did you feel any worry or anxiety that the reason that those people were kind of leaving you behind had to do with the changes that you were going through in terms of your sexuality and gender identity or did, was it very clear I to you like this is because of the breakup and just me I not being with think, that person? Yeah, no, I didn't think it was because of the changes, but I thought that they would think it was weird. Like I thought mm-hmm. they would talk behind my back about how maybe I was trying to distract from the breakup and um, yeah, the breakup was messy generally. <laughs> so um, I, I was I don't know. I had a fear. They thought I was just making stuff up to distract, like to, you know, be a victim in some way. Like, Oh, you never knew these identities of mine. Mm. Like, I don't know. This is just Mm -hmm. what goes on in my head. Yeah. I'm sure they didn't think that, but I was worried they would like make fun of me and, um, behind my back. It would be nothing I would ever really know about. Um, and I, I'm just thinking about, I use the word abandoned, but it, I don't know if it was, it was a messy breakup at the end. And so there, a lot of their first, I mean, they were first friends with my ex. So I don't know if, but it's just confusing to me because I'm actually still friends with my ex. So yeah, it was like, they picked a side, but I just don't know why they had felt like they had to do that when my ex didn't like, he treated me with more compassion than my friends did. Yeah. So anyway, um, but yeah, that was a, like a fear of mine. And then, um, but other than those, like losing the, the people that I lost, like it was really fun. It was like really exciting. And, you know, I was on Tinder. I was like surfing all the gay dating app, mm-hmm. apps, um, which when I say all, there's like two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just kind of fun to meet other queer people and people who were also just like questioning gender. And like, I felt like, I think I felt really nervous. I was going to be judged for coming out so late. Like, you know, when you go on a date, it's like, you ask like, Oh, who is your, like, who, who's your ex or have you had been in a long-term relationship in a while? Or I'm like, so, so obviously from my history, it was like, I was a, I was like, living a, a straight life for a while for my yeah. whole life. So it was kind of like, I think for the first you know few months I was dating, people were like, Oh, you're like, okay. This so is was new. your, then was your concern more about how it would be perceived amongst other LGBTQ 
individuals more so than like your straight or just not even straight, but just like kind of the f- people in your life who already knew you as opposed there were- to like new people you were meeting in that community. Yeah. So there was like two different fears, like definitely number, like one was like, how will be like, I have my friends that I have are great friends with the exception of the ones that I lost. We were also good friends. With I Jess, thought you were going to say with the exception of Jess. No, no. <laughs> I was like, what's not. happening? <laughs> and I'm going to end this interview. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I have really core friends, any of my friends who were not like both a friend of my ex and mine, like that were just my friend outside of that relationship are all really strong friendships that I wasn't nervous about telling at all. Yeah. Um, but it was more like, you know, peers and acquaintances and family. And those were all people I was nervous about um, for the reason I was talking about earlier. But then there was this whole other level of being newly out and also bisexual, which is like, you know, you get questioned if you're, yeah, are you straight or are you gay? Pick one. Right. <laughs> and when you don't, it's like people get, they blame things on it. Oh, you know, she didn't want to go on any more dates with me she's probably just straight or wow yeah yeah there's tons of I could think of examples but it's more comfortable for other people to be able to put you into a box that they understand yeah it's like bisexuality is like a pathology that can explain a reason something didn't work out or the reason I said no to this or was uncomfortable with that or you know yeah so yeah um So there was that, that was, and then just, yeah, coming out later, I was worried people would think I, you know, didn't know what I, what I was. And that's also okay though. Like that's at the time it was, I knew it was okay to be questioning, you know, but it, it it felt like, you know, that would have been horrible to tell someone. Yeah. Um, So do you think that, because what I'm hearing is like, that time period for you was really exciting. And I do remember that from like knowing you through that time period. I remember specific points later in that year when you would tell me like, I feel like I'm not, I'm, I'm at a plateau right now and I'm not growing anymore as much as I want to be. And you'd get like so frustrated in those periods of time when you felt like you weren't growing the way you had been like two months prior or, you know, and so like you were aware of your growth in the moment, I think like as an outsider, that's how I viewed it. And you were excited by that growth, but it also was scary. And there were a lot of anxieties associated with it and just like questions of how are people going to receive this? And, you know, so I guess I'm just trying to piece through like how much of it is we're looking back now and saying, that was the best time versus it actually it was feeling like definitely, it. I mean, it definitely was the best time. Yeah. Like all those, all the emotions I was describing were just, I think some of the, the less obvious feelings that also were in there and the peaking moments of 2019 <laughs> were, there was hard parts of it. Um, but the reason it was, still a peaking moment in my, it's like for me, peaking is like positive change within yourself. Um, and the way that that happens is often not 
the success staircase. It's not like yeah, you get a job, you make money, you met, meet a person, you have, get married, you have kids. Like you, it's not climbing this success ladder. Um, there's a lot of falls that bring you up. And so, yeah. you know, a breakup and um, feeling self-conscious and whatever, you know, all those things and not knowing, you know, being in a life that was not the right life for me and changing it and all of the, all of the exhaustion that kind of resulted immediately was what helped me sort of peak. And so then the benefits of those things was just like really getting to be myself when I had never really been able to do that. And it was so freeing. It was like, so fun. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I don't have as many like intelligent things to say about that, I guess, but it was no. the overwhelming feeling. Yeah, no. And I think you bring up a good point, which is like the low moments of that are necessary in order for the excitement and the fun to be felt like you, you just wouldn't have had that growth without the hard parts. So you can't even look back on them or in the moment you didn't even feel like so, so, <clears throat> I don't know, burdened by them because you knew like this is getting me closer to the version of myself that I've been looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love that. That makes me happy. Um, <laughs> I also think something interesting you mentioned was, you know, one of the hardest parts being losing that group of friends. And mm -hmm. when you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, something I really believe in, which is like, you have to let go of certain things to create space for new things and new, better things. And shortly after you said, I, you know, that was a really hard part of this, losing that group of people, you then said, but I was meeting all these new people who were helping me like learn more about myself and like this new side of myself that I was learning about. So I guess something that I love about these peaking moments is like connecting with new people and reconnecting with people in a deeper way mm -hmm. that like you just didn't even have space for before you let go of whatever it was that you needed to let go of to allow that change. Mm -hmm. No, I think the space, it free, a lot of the space that it freed up for me was actually a relationship with myself. I did meet like a lot of new people and I, I think it gave space to like our relationship, like the two of us. Yeah. Um, cause we kind of connected over these things, but I just didn't have a good relationship with myself. And it's kind of, I really feel like it's kind of where it started for me was like 2018 is kind of where I started to really form one. Yeah. Um, and I've sort of tried to work on that since, but yeah, I, I think, I don't even think I answered your other question about the plateauing thing, but I think, um, oh, yeah. what happened was I like had, so it was like, I had been thinking about this and thinking about this, thinking about this. And then like, I had this big breakup and I just pursued everything I was questioning and thinking about for myself. And so it was just like all this change and then I got a haircut and I was like affirming myself in these other ways. And like, it was just really fun. And then that summer it was like, I had sort of plateaued in this like happiness, but there wasn't change anymore. Like the, I had solidified 
like that I had changed the things to be better for myself. Yeah. And then it was like, I was living them and it was good, but I was so used to this like evolution that was like feeling better and better and better and better. And then I feel like I sort of hit that happiness plateau, but I also wasn't working because I was waiting to start a new job. And so it was like, there was just less going on too. I get that though. Cause I kind of feel like I have been experiencing that lately with, I was like working towards this ch- moment of change that I'm at now, leaving my job and starting to work on this podcast and all that. And like, that took a lot of growth and pushing myself and doing things that were uncomfortable. And then finally, when I kind of checked the box and did all those things, and now I'm here, it's just like, okay, now I'm just doing what I wanted to do. And that feels, (laughs) that feels just, I don't know, we're not used to it maybe. And obviously it'll come back. There will be another, there will be a million more like, hard things that I have to go through. But when you land on one of those happiness plateaus, it's hard to actually appreciate them, even though it's the happiness that you had been like fighting for and working for. And like the reason that you put yourself through those changes was to attain that. Yeah. I think what you're speaking to is that it's one of the best things is looking forward to something. (laughs) Yeah. And we've experienced that in the pandemic, you know, not knowing when the end was or when we'd be able to be around people again, um, or hug our mom or dad or brother or sister. So it's like when there's nothing to look forward to anymore, you're like, Oh, okay. That's part of what drives us a little bit, I think. And so now you're here and you're doing this thing that you've been wanting to do for yourself for so long. And it's like, okay, I'm doing it, but it's being done. Like, (laughs) what am I going to do next? You know? Right. Yeah. Uh, It kind of goes to something I said in my first episode about just, it is really way more about like the peaking happens in on the journey to get somewhere. It's not actually once you get there. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It's great. Like I want everyone to set goals for themselves and achieve them. But then I feel like we probably as kind of type a like hardworking people and we at in a capitalist society too like we're so used to setting the next goal and then you don't even want to celebrate it you just want to set the next one it's partly wanting something to look forward to but it's partly us not being able to just like relax and appreciate the moment I think yeah yeah there's it's nice to like remember that and then like take some time to sit with yourself in this like happy moment you know yeah because I won't do that unless I take time to consciously be like you're this is you can like enjoy this yeah you can you can have nothing to do right now and be happy with where you're at well I think that's kind of it yeah how do you feel like you're peaking right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> am I peaking right now no I don't, I don't think we're peaking I'm we're both in pajamas <laughs> I'm wearing a bat- backwards baseball cap and a robe <laughs> so you're doing great well thank you for being here thanks for having me this was so special and I love what you're doing on this podcast I think it's a really unique 
uh, topic and something that we sort of talk about, but not as in depth as you are doing here. So it's really nice. Um, and I appreciate you doing it. If you want more peeking, make sure you're subscribed so you get notified whenever a new episode goes live. You can find peeking on pretty much anywhere that you listen to your podcast. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. Bonus points if you rate and leave a review. That would really mean a lot to me. And finally, follow Peking on Instagram at Peking Podcast. I'm there every day and I'd love to hear from you. That's all. Thanks, fam. We have a really compatible, um, our, our charts are really compatible. So Yeah. So you're welcome, everyone, for this discussion.